Welcome. You're listening to Faith vs. Weight with Maria Bauer. Maria is a former U.S. Navy Health Information Systems Officer, current health and wellness coach, and author of the book, Faith vs. Weight, reminding you that you already have victory in Christ. As a National Academy of Sports Medicine certified personal trainer specializing in weight loss, fitness nutrition, behavioral change, and women's fitness, Maria is also a former Live Strong YMCA cancer survivor trainer. Now, here's your host, Maria Bauer. Hello and welcome. I am so excited to share week five of the following seven-week podcast series with you based on excerpts from my book, Faith vs. Weight. Inspired by the Word of God, Faith vs. Weight is a proven and practical health and wellness program that has helped many, just like you and me, achieve our weight loss victory. This podcast introduces our fifth biblical virtue of the week, perseverance. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isaiah 40, 31. When I taught Faith versus Weight at the YMCA, I told participants they would get a full refund if they could come up with a legitimate excuse not to exercise after this class on perseverance. Seven years later, at Prestonwood Baptist Church, Faith versus Weight has been an ongoing offering through the Women's Ministry Program, and still no one has been able to come up with any excuse not to exercise after this class, not even the lawyers. How was I able to pull this off? I had help. In order to get people to stop making excuses regarding exercise, I gave them examples of real people who had plenty of real excuses not to exercise, but did it anyway. These people inspired me on the days I felt like giving up. We all have those days, months, and sometimes even years when we feel like throwing the towel in. Although these common people with an uncommon perseverance may not have one million social media followers, their example has already had an eternal impact. Who knows what crown awaits them in heaven? It's easy to assume that perseverance has to do with physical energy, but once again, this virtue in its purest form is a spiritual one. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, That person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. James 1, 12. While I was at the YMCA, I became a certified trainer for Livestrong, a program designed to help cancer survivors resume exercise or in some cases begin. I was exposed to one life after another, picking up the pieces and starting all over again. If you think you have a good excuse not to exercise, what about those people? It would be one thing if they just had cancer, but rarely does someone just have cancer. There are complications from surgeries, ports, medications, and comorbidities. My clients also shared the heartache of their children struggling to understand their disease, as well as their spouses trying to cope with it. Many held down jobs in the midst of trying to put their lives back together. There were days they felt nauseous, dizzy, weak, scared, and tired. They also shared how hard it was to look in the mirror and not recognize themselves. Yet they got in the car, drove to the gym, walked through the doors, and got busy. I had never seen such a group of fighters in my life. They were fighting for their lives. 
At the time, I was happily serving a variety of clients at the YMCA and had just completed my first half marathon, finishing in the top 25% for my age group. Life was good. However, within two weeks, I was trying to figure out how to use a motorized cart at the grocery store, since this was also the year I broke my leg skiing at Whistler. Once I returned to the States, my doctor told me my 46-year-old leg would never regain its original strength. There were no guarantees I'd run again. Because my exercise options were limited, I needed to get creative. As long as I only used my arms and a flotation device, I was able to get my cardio exercise by swimming. In order to get in and out of the pool, though, I needed a chairlift and staff to help me use it. Although I did not wind up at a rehab pool, others used the same facility at designated times of the day for similar reasons. In the pool, to the right of me was someone I will call Dave. Dave had MS. He looked to be in his early 40s with severely limited leg mobility. Dave would drive to the gym and patiently get out of his car, get into his motorized chair, motor to the locker room, get ready to swim, motor to the pool, and then get in the pool with no assistance from the chairlift. Before I barely had a chance to say hello, Dave was always asking how far I had come along with my recovery. I can't tell you what a humbling experience this was for me. I would later see him at church every Sunday with his wife and children. He would talk to me about the portion of the ride he was training for as a participant of the MS-150, the largest bike fundraising event of its kind in North America. Even though he had limited leg mobility, he was able to ride, and ride he did. To the left lane was someone I will call Glenn. He was in his 30s and was paralyzed from the waist down. I don't remember ever seeing Glenn without a smile. He was always cheerful with a genuine concern for others. Glenn would joke with me about my arm stroke, telling me how strong I was getting. Meanwhile, I marveled at his arm strength getting in and out of the pool, once again, without the use of his legs or the chairlift. Then there was Barbara. Barbara was in her 70s, and she still competed in a variety of sports. She was completely able-bodied, just a little slower than her prime. This woman never stopped moving. I used to joke with her, telling her the reason she was not married was because she would have to rob the cradle in order to find someone who could keep up. She never focused on her aches and pains, only on moving herself and others forward. She would tell me stories about people of great faith who had multiple injuries over the years, returning to their sport of choice at advanced ages and crushing it. But the crown goes to our beloved Aunt Carol. That same year, Carol went on a mission trip to Rancho Sordomundo, a Christian school for the deaf near Ensenada, Mexico. This was not her first year serving as part of a team escorting her local church's high school youth group. She had just turned 76 on what she thought would be her last day of the trip before heading back to the States. Carol and another chaperone were hit by a semi-tractor. Although the physicians did all they could, Carol had a below-the-knee amputation on her right leg. They salvaged what they could of her left foot. Instead of allowing this tragedy to cripple her emotionally, though, She forgave the driver and did not prosecute. She knew he had a young family and wanted him to be there for his children. After enduring 12 surgeries, rehab, 
and hyperbaric treatments. See if you can guess where she went. Mexico, of course, on another mission trip, the first chance she got. I saw her at my in-law's 50th wedding anniversary a few years back, and she had more vim and vigor than most people half her age. As a matter of fact, she looked amazing, which was honestly shocking after all she had been through. Besides walking her dog, traveling with her church choir, and a dizzying array of volunteer commitments, somewhere in there I heard swimming. Even at 82, it is hard to keep up with Aunt Carol. She recently returned from a trip to the Holy Land as one of the oldest in her group of 42 travelers, enjoying every sight while walking the entire time. So what excuse do you have not to exercise? I understand when clients do not feel like exercising, but perseverance is not a feeling. Among those who persevere, there is enduring love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all fruits of the Holy Spirit. I would also add forgiveness. The righteous keep moving forward, and those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. Job 17.9 We all struggle to go the distance. It is easy to get discouraged by the many things that seem to work against us. You may be dealing with a serious family issue, health concern, divorce, a troubled teen, or all of the above. Whatever the case, you are not alone. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. Psalm 46, 5. Little did I know the first six months after I broke my leg would be a walk in the park compared to the rest of 2813. As I was learning how to walk without a limp, I tore one of my rotator cuffs. The doctors concluded it started and was further aggravated when I went up and down the stairs of my house, favoring one shoulder over another because of my leg. Next was an overuse injury in my good leg since it took the brunt of my weight. On the heels of that injury, completely unrelated, came pancreatitis and finally gallbladder surgery, all within 12 months. By the end of the year, I was feeling pretty banged up. Although none of my health issues were debilitating, we weren't always clear as to what was going on with me medically. Before my doctors were able to figure out my gallbladder was the root cause of the problem with my pancreas, I had many nights of burning pain in my abdomen. It took a few months and thousands of dollars worth of tests, thank God for insurance, before the doctors were able to diagnose the root cause. The first ultrasound showed a pancreatic head mass, that was later downgraded to pancreatic head fullness. Something to celebrate. This didn't sound great, but it was way better than the alternative. My doctors had always suspected it was my gallbladder, but since I did not have gallstones, it was not obvious. The final exam showed my gallbladder was only operating at 30% efficiency. My mother had to have her gallbladder removed in her 30s, so in retrospect, this came as no surprise. Even though I lived a healthy life, as far as we could tell, this was not something I could prevent. The timing of my gallbladder puttering out within months after I broke my leg and tore my rotator cuff was less than ideal. Because of the gallbladder issue triggering pancreatitis, leaving me with burning acid, I had to start taking a daily dose of 60 milligrams of proton pump inhibitors, also known as PPIs, to ease the pain. In the meantime, like every parent, I tried to put my best foot forward for my kids. 
between medical tests, physical therapy, and needing to get things done at a much slower pace. My husband had to pick up the slack, which also made things more difficult for everyone involved. He wound up having to have surgery that same year for a double hernia. We had the same surgeon. I kept trying my hardest to jump back into activities, but the reality was that it was just not happening at the pace I wanted it to happen. I was on God's timeline, not mine. Pride and impatience were a constant battle, and some days still are. Ironically, the location where I broke my leg at Whistler is called Ego Bowl. What a wonderful reminder to keep my pride in check. Besides having to rearrange certain parts of my life at certain times to keep my duties as a mom afloat, the hardest part of that year was not the broken leg, torn rotator cuff, pancreatitis, or gallbladder surgery. The hardest part was waiting four months for a diagnosis as I was continuing to decline. As a parent, it was hard not to worry since I was in pain and had less energy for my family. Thankfully, it turned out that waiting for the diagnosis was actually more stressful than the actual diagnosis. However, while I was waiting, I had a decision to make. Did I trust God, whatever the outcome, or not? Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. 1 Kings 18.21 In this case, God is the one who is waiting. I believe in some cases we are involved in creating our own delays. In my case, I finally realized the Lord was waiting for me. I could either waste time worrying or redeem time worshiping. Only one leads to victory. During this season, it was revealed to me there were things on the inside holding me back in my walk with the Lord. Decisions I had made in recent years needed to be reprioritized. Certain strongholds had to be let go of, almost surgically removed. I really don't think it was an accident that my accident happened on Ego Bowl. I doubt I would have noticed any of this had I not been forced to step back in. wait. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure I would not have noticed it at all. Maybe I wasn't just waiting after all. Once I figured out I needed to spend time worshiping the Lord, things started falling in the right places. I don't want to give the impression that the Lord beats us down until submission. However, I do want to convey my sincere belief that he wanted my undivided attention and he knew I needed to be brought to the end of myself before I was willing to give it. This may have been tough love, but it pales in comparison with love everlasting. Sometimes we need to wait because we would not get the message any other way. Two years later, my family and I were born again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 9.10 You don't find your future spouse, get married, have a baby, and send kids off to college overnight. All of these things involve periods of waiting, Perseverance is working on one thing at a time. Even God doesn't expect you to make all of those changes overnight. Why expect this from yourself when it comes to a lifetime of habits and then get discouraged when you can't change overnight? The dream was always running ahead of me, 
to catch up, to live for a moment in unison was the miracle. Anis Nin. No matter how good you are at organizing and planning ahead, I guarantee if it hasn't happened already, there will be something you will hope for with all of your heart that will not happen on your time frame. It may not happen at all, no matter what you do to try to make it happen. If you trust God, then not getting what you hope for is actually better than getting what you had hoped for. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, 4. This verse is not about you actualizing your dreams, but about Him actualizing His glory. When you take delight in the Lord, His vision for your life becomes your vision. In this case, the fulfillment of your dreams will just be a matter of time. Ask Him to help you long for what He longs for. Like many people, I have dreamed dreams that were realized 10, 20, or even 30 years later. For example, when I was a child, I dreamt someday I would live in a house with a mother and a father who loved each other, having grown up in an abusive household. 30 years after I dreamt it, I now live in a house where the mother and father love each other, with God as their center. That would be my husband and I. The point is, not now does not equal not ever. It may actually equal something better, but you won't find out unless you persevere. I also thank God for the dreams he did not allow to come to fruition more than the ones that did. My soul with satisfaction of all wants, because God's gifts put man's best dreams to shame. Elizabeth Barrett Browning, Sonnets from the Portuguese, 26. What are you waiting for? The devil wants you in despair while you are waiting. He wants you to believe that God has forgotten you. This will be your time of greatest temptation, and nothing will bring you down faster than despair. Losing weight takes time. You should also expect to be tempted just as Jesus was in the desert. In the past, it may have been with one too many desserts for one too many years, leading to diabetes. Maybe it was with one glass of wine at a time as you decided to numb yourself through an unhappy marriage. This is not waiting on the Lord. Going forward, you will be tempted to take shortcuts. It could be in taking diet pills, shots, hormones, above what is medically necessary, or overdoing supplements instead of investing the time in doing your part while trusting the Lord to do His. Shortcuts on the front end typically equal greater delays on the back end. Instead of dwelling in despair, we need to focus on God's capabilities instead of our current inabilities. The waiting room is your date with destiny, your ability to decide what to focus your energy on while you wait is a gift from God. What you choose to do with this gift influences your destiny. You will find plenty of examples of waiting in the Bible, some handled in better ways than others. More often than not, the waiting is meant to teach us something. Why not learn the lesson sooner rather than later? A waiting room can be a location like a doctor's office. You may be there for yourself, your child, your spouse, or another loved one. It could be waiting for test results, a new drug protocol, the end of chemo, or your eyebrows to grow back after chemo. It can be waiting to have a child or waiting on a rebellious teenager to turn to God. It can be waiting to get married or for a divorce to be finalized. Sometimes waiting seems like a lifetime if you or someone in your family is living with a chronic condition or addiction. While you are waiting, 
there are usually times when things seem to be getting worse instead of better. In some cases, the options seem to be dwindling. You can choose to worry, which usually results in visiting the closest vending machine, or you can choose to rejoice in the Lord. The fastest way to experience the glory of God is by listening to praise and worship music. But I will sing of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning, for you have been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Psalm fifty-nine, sixteen. In the I Will Survive section of my book, I talk about my four theories regarding the reasons why people regain weight after a restrictive diet. Here's a quick recap. Sugar addiction, number one. Number two, emotional eating. Number three, binge eating. Number four, a decrease in activity level without a decrease in calories. Sugar addiction. Some people can still be friends after breakup and some cannot. It is the same with sugar. This may be linked to serotonin and dopamine levels or a full moon. Whatever the case, instead of beating yourself up and feeling like a loser, realize this is probably no more than a biochemical situation. Some believe if addictive tendencies run in your family, sugar can also be a problem. Since this is the case with almost every other person, it's hard to tell. If sugar is an issue, you have two options. Option number one, once people get their blood sugar under control on this plan, after following it, it is much easier to have a small amount of sugar as a dessert at the end of the day. This is how most cultures have dessert around the world. However, if you are highly sugar sensitive, you will most likely not be able to have any amount of dessert with sugar in the beginning. You might need to be more selective. To determine whether or not this applies to you, stick to the plan as described in week one for three days in a row. That's the only way you're going to be able to tell. Make sure you are not including any artificial sweeteners, sugary drinks, dessert samples, or starchy carbohydrates during the day. Follow the plan in week one exactly. In the evening, when you would normally have dessert, try 100 calories of plain, no fruit or nuts, 70 to 80% dark chocolate. This is an experiment to see if you can satiate your palate with a dessert that contains more fat than sugar rather than eating desserts with ingredients that cause you to want more. I prefer Alter Echo black truffles, plain dark chocolate made with a small amount of coconut oil that curbs hunger. One is enough. Remember to have that truffle with a decaf tea or decaf coffee as discussed in week one and week two. Black truffles are not flavored. You can branch out later to see if you can enjoy other flavors without overdoing it. But for now, look at this as if you were conducting an experiment. By isolating one flavor, chocolate, we are avoiding others that may hyperstimulate your palate. Instead of finding variety in your dessert, you can find variety in what you have with it. For example, if you love mint, enjoy Moroccan mint or peppermint tea. If you love cherry, have your truffle with a black cherry herbal tea. Make sure you are not buying teas with sugar added and read the label. If you are following the plan, but you are still having a problem with sugar portion control, even with one piece of plain dark chocolate and having it with a tea and a coffee, then it is time to try varying your starchy carbohydrate timing. Perhaps you should time your starchy carb after dinner to make it easier for you to stop at just one dark chocolate during dessert. 
Having your starchy carb with dinner, since it is before your dessert, may make it more difficult for you to control your dessert intake. Again, week one explains this in great detail. Even though the starchy carbs listed on this plan in the book on Kindle for $3.99 are slow carbohydrates, any starchy carbs before dessert may make your blood sugar fluctuate. Experiment with timing. Controlling your glycemic response makes it much easier for you not to overdo sugar. However, the way to change behavior is not solely physiological, it is also psychological. When my clients tell themselves, I can have my treat tonight, it helps them say no to the junk they encounter all day. Again, as discussed in previous weeks, this is not the last supper. If you can choose 100 calories of dessert today, then you could choose it again tomorrow, the next day, and the day after that. The idea of not totally cutting out dessert is based on the theory of harm reduction used with addicts. Harm reduction is used when someone who is addicted wants to quit or at least cut down but cannot go cold turkey. They need intervention. This is the reason why, when, and what, and how to eat are described in week one. By eating high-quality foods early and often, you minimize blood sugar crashes that trigger mood swings and lead to wanting to grab whatever happens to be in front of you. Again, if you need more information or more types of options, first, listen to week one. If you would like more than that, the book is on Kindle for $3.99. If you have tried all of these suggestions but are still unable to stop eating before half the bag of single-serve dark chocolates are gone, or if chocolate is just not your thing, then I suggest option number two. Option number two, is it time to stop eating sugar altogether? If this puts you in panic mode, you may very well be highly motivated to try option one again, in all earnest, one more time. If that still doesn't work, just say no. Saying no to sugar is not something that should make you sad. Remember, this program is about fullness of life. Just like alcohol, sugar is not worth God's glory. If you are like the Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years, maybe you have been on this mountain long enough. The first few days are the hardest when it comes to giving up sugar. Again, that is why I recommend keep trying option one to see if you could have a small dessert. And the only way you'll know that is if you follow the plan consistently for at least three days as described in week one. But again, if you decide to give it up, the first few days are the hardest, but it will get easier. For some, sugar is more physiologically addicting than for others. This is why you need a few days to detox. Remember the breakup analogy that some can be friends after a split and some cannot? As is the case with all unhealthy relationships, there is life after sugar. Some people move on to popcorn and nuts for their dessert. Try no sugar for three days and see how you feel. The irony of the situation is many celebrities spend thousands of dollars on trainers only to come to the same conclusion. Consider the money you just saved. Of course, most people do not choose to give up sugar as a permanent fix. This is the reason I first suggest you learn how to incorporate sugar in a small amount as dessert instead of completely omitting it. If you went straight to no sugar but still had doubt in your mind as to whether or not you could figure out a way not to overdo it, you would wind up like most Americans, binging and starving back and forth. Because there is so much binging, most try to convince themselves that no sugar is the only answer, 
Then they wind up continuing to ricochet from binging to abstaining as the scale goes up, up, and away. This is why you want to give option one everything you've got following the plan in week one before assuming you have no choice and have to give up sugar as described in option two. If no sugar is the right answer for you, you will know it. If not, don't give up on option one. Find the small amount of dessert that works for you and the appropriate amount. Again, a higher proportion of fat to sugar usually helps. Whichever option you choose, you cannot do this alone. In all things, ask God for help. Whether you are asking for help in learning how to eat small amounts of sugar or to avoid it altogether, you still need to ask for help. The Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Sephaniah 3.17 If you are ready to give sugar up, I recommend giving it up for three days. That's it. Then see how you feel. This is a decision point where you either return to option one or continue with option two. I also recommend you not tell anyone you are doing this unless they are highly supportive for those three days. You do not need to deal with negative fodder. In the beginning, every place you go will remind you of the one thing you are trying to give up, sugar. In this case, however, it is not in your imagination because sugar is everywhere. Just like the stories you hear of people drunk texting their ex, you will be irrationally convinced you can't live without it for three days. But you can, I promise. Like a bad breakup, you need to remember why you broke up in the first place. For some, this may mean multiple breakups until you are ready for the real thing. Many smokers tried to quit several times before they finally quit. I know because I used to be one of them. However, if you continually wind up overdoing sugar in your attempt to completely get rid of it, therein may lie your answer. It may be time to give option one one more try. Although this may sound like a no help at all, if you are not sure where you belong, go through both experiences. This may help you choose the one most likely to work for you. How do I know this? I speak from experience. In most cases, I do not eat the desserts everyone else eats. I am selective. Being selective allows me to not cut sugar out completely. This is a happy medium, especially if every time you decide to give up sugar, you wind up binging six out of seven days a week. However, the only way not to feel deprived is to find something that your mind still perceives as a reward that does not trigger a binge. This is how you master option one. Get the idea? You may need to just keep trying until you can find something that feels like a treat but does not compel you to keep going. Just like some people may leave a job or career only to find out it was better than what they originally thought, you may have a similar experience. However, you may never know this until you try both alternatives. There's no judgment either way. This is not a pass-fail. Number two, emotional eating. He must increase, but I must decrease. John 3.30 If you invite more of Jesus into your life, your cravings for all other things will diminish. Make worship a daily priority. There are plenty of inspiring worship songs on iTunes, Pandora, Spotify. When things spin into catastrophe or carb-tastrophe mode, emotional eating emerges. When you are upset, worried, stressed out, or lonely, you're in the fight-or-flight mode. It's time to get out of your head. Taking a three-minute walk while listening to one worship song can make or break the rest of your day. Just like a child, sometimes we all have to redirect. Number three, binge eating. Emotional eating may stop with an extra serving or two. 
Binge eating takes you into another territory. Although people do not like to talk about it, it happens more often than most people realize. Like emotional eating, reaching for any substance other than what it was intended for gets things out of whack. Food is meant to create energy, not self-medicate. Pay attention to whether or not you relax when you eat or eat to relax. If you are trying to eat to relax, you may never stop. Instead, take a deep breath and pray before you eat. This simple act helps relax you. It puts God in between you and whatever is causing you stress. It also puts God in between you and food. If this is a recurring issue, Christian counselors can help you get to the root of what is causing this behavior. Practice observation versus condemnation. Look at binge eating as if you are doing a scientific inquiry because that is what observation is. Leave the emotion out of it. Pay attention to the times during the day when you overindulge. You may also want to pay attention to whether or not you are being too restrictive at other times. Are you consuming enough calories throughout the day? If you skip breakfast every morning, it should come as no surprise when you binge at night. Skipping lunch and afternoon snacks almost always guarantee that you will overeat at dinner time. Make some non-emotional observations. Do you binge on certain foods at certain times? Write down how you feel before and after a binge. Have you cut out starchy carbs altogether thinking, well, this plan sounds great, but I'm just going to go low carb? And now you are inhaling the bread basket? Instead of having a healthier starchy carb in the evening as suggested on the plan? This is the reason it's not a low-carb plan. Also the reason there are no off-limits foods on this plan or categories. Instead of deeming a food category off-limits, find another food in the same category that you are able to limit. For example, in the sugar category, as mentioned in earlier podcasts, candy corns are something I can easily overeat whereas I don't think I've ever had more than one black truffle when I have it with a decaf coffee or decaf tea. They are very rich, and they're also made with real food ingredients. Candy corns are what I like to call a virtual reality food. They are not really food. For me, corn syrup hyperstimulates my palate, causing the normal cues of satiety to malfunction. Most processed foods fall in this category. In some cases, You may have a situation requiring medical intervention, whereas in others, you may just need to start eating single-ingredient real food. Real food comes as a single ingredient. An egg is just an egg. You are better off combining single-ingredient foods. You can mix an egg with vegetables, and now you have an omelet. You may also top it off with some Parmesan cheese and olive oil. This is very different than going to a bakery and getting a piece of processed quiche. It's like night and day. Know what you are eating. Alcohol is like having concentrated sugar, which is another invitation for an all-out eating frenzy. Relaxed inhibitions accompanied with carbs, sugar, salt, and fat are never a good combo. Yes, I know Jesus drank wine, but he was not having it with all-you-can-eat nachos, chips, and queso, or apricot-flavored brie and crackers. Besides, the alcohol content and entire process of making wine is very different now than it was then. If you can follow the faith versus weight rule, as described in earlier podcasts, as one or none when it comes to alcohol and not overdo eating, you will be one of the few. 
Alcohol stimulates hunger. During week one, we discussed how food is meant to satisfy hunger, not create it. The real food God created satisfies your hunger. Processed foods with added salt, sugar, carbs, and bad fats do the opposite. We are not smarter than God in any area, especially this one. Throw alcohol into the mix and all bets are off. There is a reason you can't eat just one. Families with substance abuse or chemical dependency issues may have a tendency to overeat. Obese individuals' brains light up like a Christmas tree when they eat sugar. Do their brains light up because they are obese or is something causing their tendency toward obesity stimulating their brains? I think it has more to do with the latter, having the physiological tendency in the first place. Just like alcoholics can't have one glass of wine, it is difficult for many people to have sugar without overdoing it. For those who are obese, it is harder. Regardless of whether or not the chicken or the egg came first, just avoid foods that trigger binging. Get off of the train before it derails. The likely suspects. Besides salt and bad fats, it is worth looking more in depth at other triggers. Sugar. Even certain fruits can be dangerous ground. Low glycemic berries, strawberries are a winner, blueberries are great too. Green apples, which for some seem to be better than red, are a good choice. I also enjoy one half of a pink grapefruit. Stay away from dried fruit and tropical fruit other than yellow green bananas. A banana is the same number of calories whether it is green or black. However, a green banana is mostly resistant starch, whereas a black banana is mostly sugar. Think banana bread. Some resistant starch naturally blocks fat. Greener is better. Other than fruit, most people do not realize that even milk can trigger sugar issues since it has a higher sugar content than most people realize. In liquid form, sugar is absorbed quicker. As for sweeteners, any sweetener that puts the taste of sugar in your mouth hyper-stimulates your palate, causing you to crave more sweets. It doesn't matter if it is natural like stevia or not. The only time I make an exception to this rule, as discussed in earlier podcasts, is for honey before a workout. For dessert, stick with a higher fat to sugar ratio with real sugar. Fake sugars can make cravings worse. Keep dessert to 100 calories. Carbs. Pay attention to which carbs set off a binge. Since you are only having your starchy carbs at night, it will be easier to isolate this. Number four, a decrease in activity level without a decrease in calories. You can start by cutting out unnecessary extras, but sooner or later, you're going to have to move. If not, you will wind up with a small or large amount of weight creeping up over the years. As part of aging, your body composition goes from less muscle to more fat. Although menopause makes it worse, even 80-year-olds have been shown to gain strength and increase muscle mass when introduced to resistance training. It's never too late. Start with resistance exercises along with a steady cardio base until you are ready to do interval cardio as discussed in earlier podcasts and take it up a notch. There's no reason you can't get stronger. Pick one thing you can live with that will allow you to make progress. Once this is mastered, pick the next one. Perseverance is a process. It's time to make your move. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. 1 Corinthians 4.20 Now I'd like to talk about active rest. We all have days we don't feel like doing a full workout. 
However, it is always better to keep moving forward in order to avoid slipping backward. Because of this, I am a huge advocate of active rest, which is basically a state of taking it easy while still being active. It may be a slow bike ride, a stroll, or cheer aerobics if you have limited leg mobility. Active rest is not meant to be a hardcore workout. It is movement. Even if you do plan on working out five days a week, it can easily wind up only being three. If you don't have an active rest mindset, your only other option when not working out is inactivity. One day of inactivity is no big deal. However, what typically happens is one day turns into a week before you know it. Then a week turns into a month. Cultures around the world are constantly moving at a more relaxed pace. This keeps joints lubricated, oxygen flowing, muscles engaged, and your heart and brain happy. As long as you are still moving, you are moving forward. Newton's first law of motion states, a body at rest will remain at rest unless an outside force acts on it, and a body in motion at a constant velocity will remain in motion in a straight line unless acted upon by an outside force. When it comes to exercise, many people look at what they used to be able to do and stop dead in their tracks. Since they can't participate in whatever that was, they quit. This is not perseverance. If you cannot do something you used to love, like running, for example, fall in love with something else. Another path is open to you if you are open to finding it. You are called to do the best you can through all ages, stages, and phases of life whether you are dealing with an injury or recovering from a surgery. Get the help you need in order to rehab while you are waiting to recover. Incorporate whatever gentle movement you can as soon as you can. God has spoken twice I have heard this. That power belongs to God. Psalm 62:11. When it comes to injuries or surgeries, it is not a foregone conclusion that you will gain weight. I had a senior client come to me once who was scheduled to have multiple foot surgeries. She did not want to lose the momentum she had already built, so she decided to hire a trainer. I told her we were not only going to maintain her strength, but would improve it wherever we could while she was still waiting and going through these surgeries. And that is exactly what she accomplished while losing a few pounds in the process. She made it through like a champ and was a great inspiration to me. Movement combined with healthy eating will help you avoid excess pounds. This doesn't mean you have to do a marathon. It also does not mean you can't enjoy a treat. I actually encourage my recovering clients, as discussed in other podcasts, to have a small treat that they've picked out. It makes it easier to know that you are going to have this for dessert and to say no to all the other junk that will come into your house. For whatever reason, people seem to show up with lots of sugar when we are hurting. It is well-meaning, but also the last thing you need. Whether I am recovering from an injury or surgery or training for a 5K, my meals are the same as described on this plan. I may have one less carb at night if I'm less active, but that's it. You don't have to gain weight while recovering. I didn't, and neither did my proactive client with her multiple foot surgeries. As a matter of fact, she lost weight. There are medical conditions that may cause weight gain. Maybe you have thyroid issues or are on medications that cause weight gain. As a YMCA Livestrong trainer, I worked with cancer survivors on steroids. As if having cancer is not bad enough, dealing with excess weight gain is never easy. 
telling yourself, since I'm going to be fat anyway, I might as well just face plant into a quart of ice cream, it's not going to make things better. Once again, you will have two problems or more instead of the one you already have. Diabetes, high cholesterol, metabolic syndrome, and so on are not much fun either. Obviously, medical conditions tend to leave people feeling uncomfortable. However, reaching for comfort foods is only going to make things worse. At some point, that extra 10 to 50 pounds due to unhealthy choices will need to come off, or you may wind up with more health issues down the road. As far as I know, not many people want to extend their time as a patient. Eating poorly is not going to stop you from feeling poorly. It will only prolong the process and make things worse. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Psalm 34, 19. Here are some final thoughts on perseverance. Are you now able to look at any excuses not to exercise in a new light? Ask God to fight your battles. He is undefeated. Are you surviving or persevering? Only one of them leads to victory. Identify whether or not your eating tends to fall in any of these categories. Sugar addiction, emotional eating, binge eating, or a decrease in activity level without a decrease in calories. Pick the first one and then move on to the second. Incorporate the suggestions recommended for your greatest problem area first and then move to the next one. Work on observation instead of condemnation. Pay attention and stop beating yourself up. Incorporate active rest and move daily. When recovering, take advantage of physical therapy and your doctor's recommendation. Then focus on the God who heals and not your problem. Say no to excess comfort foods. Excess weight is no comfort when you are recovering. Finally, I wanted to share that I was able to get off of the PPIs. It was a long process and I had to change doctors. But anything is possible with the Lord. I can't wait to hear how this podcast series changes your life. Join the Faith vs. Weight podcast group on Facebook, a place for Faith vs. Weight podcast listeners to share their journey. If you enjoy these podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. They are based on excerpts from my book, Faith vs. Weight, available at Amazon, the Prestonwood Bookstore, and Barnes & Noble, Beltline Road, Dallas. Thank you for listening to Faith vs. Weight, reminding you that you already have victory in Christ. To keep up with Maria's class offerings, speaking engagements, or just to follow Maria on social, check out mariabauer.com. Consult your physician before starting any weight loss or exercise program.